I'm glad that you guys are here with us today. We are going through this uh, new series that started last week called Game Changers. And last week, Eric talked about worship and how worship is, it's really a game-changing thing that you can do for your own faith. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, being a servant and how service is a game-changer kind of thing. And and what we want to encourage you to do is, um, if you have a small group, awesome. If you don't have a small group, one of the things we do at our church is we encourage you, man, just to bring, bring people along that you do life with and, and make a small group with them. And we've got, we've got materials for you to do that. At, back in Next Steps, we got the, we, we've got a little study guide that you can take with you. Um, online, centraljanesville.com, we've got videos for each of these sermons um, so you can go through with a small group with. I did one, Eric did one, uh, Pastor David did a few, Pastor Ray from Beloit did a few, Pastor Corey did one. So um, we've got stuff for you to be able to go through this with a group of people. And if you don't have a small group, go with your spouse or with your kids or, or do, it, do this thing by yourself, if nothing else. Uh, but make use of those, of those materials, okay? Uh, now I want to be honest about something this morning. I, I've been, in my profession, I feel like there are times throughout the last almost two decades where I feel like I'm, I'm making, I have to make myself like almost dumber than I actually am. And the reason is, is because I work with teenagers, all right? If you've ever had a conversation with a teenager and you use a certain word and they give you this look, it tells you they don't know what word you just used. And I've had that come up many times. And so I, I dumb myself down and I just, I use words that they, they know. Like, dude, I use dude a lot. If I don't know you and I call you dude, I probably don't know your name. Um, but I try to connect with kids. I try to connect with teenagers. And, and so sometimes it, it maybe dumbs me down, but I feel like I'm able to connect with them in a certain way. And I, but I know that that day is coming where I can, I'm not going to be able to connect with them. I, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's in seventh grade now. She brings kids over. And I feel like, yeah, I can, these are teenagers. I can talk to them. And if they're not from the YouTube, they look at me like I'm dumb. Like, I'm, I'm just not cool, and it kills me. Yeah, I know. I hate it. But I, will, I have done things to connect with kids over the last, like, two decades that I typically wouldn't do. I, I've gone to hockey games of students. I hate hockey. Like, there's nothing I like about that sport. And mainly it's because I can't ice skate. I can ice skate, but I fall a lot, and I can't stop. I have gone to, um, well, I've been actually a middle school track coach. If you want to die of boredom, go to a middle school track meet. I'm telling you, you will die of boredom. You will not wish those five hours upon anybody in your life ever again. They take forever. I don't know why. I have been to more eighth grade and, and high school graduations than I would like to admit to. And I'm going to admit in front of all of you, I was at last year's Craig uh, college, high school graduation for like three people that I knew. And I got up in between a lot of those and walked around the stadium and watched a Minnesota Twins game on my phone. <laughs> totally not proud of it, but I did it. All right? A lot of things that I've done. I've gone to dance recitals. Some of them are awesome. Some of them are the opposite of awesome. I have gone to eat ice cream with kids, and you sit there and you try to have a conversation with them, and some teenagers, trying to get them to talk is about as easy as getting your pet to talk to you, in actual words. That's what it feels like. We do things to try to connect with people. 
I take kids to amusement parks in my life, and I've stopped doing that because there's nothing amusing about them. Anything that looks anything somewhat like a fair, just kill me now. Don't enjoy them. I don't. But I do all these things, and I've done all these things, so that hopefully maybe a kid will begin to connect, make, make a connection that will get them to the point that one day maybe they connect with Jesus a little bit more. And that's why we do it. That's why we do things like this. I feel like I've done just about anything for some kids to get them to that place. The only thing that I have not done and will never do is I will not join Snapchat. I'm almost 40, people. If, kid, if you're a teenager and you want to get a hold of me, I got a phone. You can go on the old person's thing and get on Facebook. But I am not getting on Snapchat. But in order to be a difference maker in, in somebody's life, there's, there's so many things that so many of us are willing to do. A few years ago, we talked uh, in our church at Central here, we talked about calling our volunteers difference makers. And I'll be honest with you, Eric and I have done a horrible job of this. We just still call everybody volunteers. But Beloit does a really good job of calling volunteers difference makers. And I, I, I'm really growing, up, growing into this idea of that because that is what being a servant is all about. It's about being a difference maker, making a difference in somebody else's life. But I think that the truth is, is that when we become difference makers, it's not just that we make a difference in somebody else's life. We begin to see the difference being made in our life. Being a difference maker in someone else's life, it might just be one of the biggest game changers in your life that you will ever come to find. Now, how do I know that this is a, that this is a game changer for us? It's because I'm awesome and I know things. No, it's actually because I take it from something Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I think in this, in this passage, he, he tells us why different, being a difference maker is awesome for us. And so this is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. This is what we're reading today. Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under, am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. I think this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible when it comes to what ministry looks like. Because I think Paul got it. Paul understood the, the, the deep places that we need to go to in order to make a difference in somebody else's life. He's willing to do anything to, to go and, and meet the needs of the people around him. To connect with them so that one day, at some point, they might connect with Jesus. Now, I, I am not an artistic person. I, love, I can appreciate good art. But I'm not like, like I, I, art's not my thing. And sometimes I'll have a kid come up to me and they've got this like this little book of, of sketches. And they're like, hey, Kellen, look at my sketches. And every, you know, I could be like, eh, I don't really care for art. That wouldn't be a great thing to do, would it? So I look at the sketchbook and I, I get excited. I'm like, oh, that's really, I mean, I could never do that. That's, that's pretty impressive. When I see somebody who has a really well manicured yard, now I get excited about nice yards. I love, I love a good yard. And if I'm walking by somebody and they've got a nice yard, 
and they're working in the yard, I'll be like, man, your yard is looking good today. Because I want to connect with them in that way. Uh, if, somebody, if I'm talking to somebody and they're, they're excited about life, but they're using words that I maybe don't use in my everyday life, I don't want to stop them. I want to just continue to let them be able to talk to me like a human being and encourage them that way. If you, if you are around a preschool kid, you know that you begin, to, you begin to say things in a different way and you begin to say different words than you normally would so that you can speak to them on their, on their level, that they can understand your language. You use words like duty. Like, hey, do you, do you gotta go duty? Like, the inflection, everything is different. Okay, maybe I do. Maybe none of you, you are all awesome and are big adults and you don't do that, but I do. You're talking to an elementary age student and you have to get excited about things in conversation with them that you don't care about. The kid comes up to you and it's like, man, I, I saw a worm today and I fed it a leaf and it ate like a bite. And you gotta be like, that's awesome. And <laughs> that's why I'm not great with elementary age kids because I, I don't always have it in me to be excited about things that are obviously so super fantastic as feeding a worm, okay? But, but we, we've got this thing where we need to, we need to do what Paul's saying here. We gotta become excited about certain things. And he... He says this in the very first part of, of this 1 Corinthians 9, this passage that we said. He says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Who in the world talks like that? Who in the world talks like I have made myself a slave to people? I've become a slave so that I may win people to Jesus. And the word that Paul uses here for slave is dulao. That's the Greek word for it. And really, what it means is it means to be a slave. It literally means to reduce oneself to bondage, to, to give myself wholly to one's needs and to their service, to become bonded to another person. Think about what Paul is saying there. He is, he's saying he has become bonded to people because of their spiritual needs. He has enslaved himself to other people that he might win them to Jesus. That is a, that is a crazy powerful statement. And can I tell you how awful I am at, at, at doing, being that kind of person? Even with my own kids, the people that, man, I should, I should be willing to do anything for to make sure that their spiritual needs are being met. It's tough for me. My, my day off is Thursday, and so this last Thursday, I was home with, with little Finley. She's five years old, turned five years old, actually, this last week on Wednesday. And she was, um, she goes to pre-K from 9 o'clock to 11.30. So I go to pick her up, we come home, I give her lunch, and she's, really tired because she hasn't napped in like three days. And so, all right, let's go up for a nap. And it's like the best time of the day, nap time. And so we go up there and she falls asleep really quick because she is out. And so now she's falling asleep. Now I'm, I'm kind of getting nappy myself. And so I go down to the couch and I fall asleep. And um, then I, I wake up, I'm like, oh, I should probably wake her up. Because this thing happens where if she naps too long, then she doesn't fall asleep for my wife at night, and she doesn't like that. And then I can, can kind of get in trouble sometimes. So I'm like, okay, I probably should wake her up. Well, she starts walking down the steps. I'm like, oh, good, this is good. But I'm still really kind of nappy. And so I'm just laying on the couch. I'm like, oh, she's awake now. And um, she starts to fall asleep again. So now after we, I finally, I've woken myself. I'm like, okay, I got to get this child to, like, wake up. I'm like, okay, honey, what do you want to do? And she brings out the match game. I hate the match game. I hate the match game with a, with a passion because I've beaten my kids like once in 12 years. And so she brings out the match game. I'm, everything in me is thinking, man, can I just put on a television show and let the screen parent this child? Because that's what we struggle with in our culture now. 
We let some, somebody else parent our child. And so that, still, that little voice in my head starts going like, nah, Kellen, you got to put out these 74 cards of matching, put them in straight rows, and play this stupid game with your child because you love her. And so I did. Um, and let me tell you what happened. We get, we get to four cards left. So there's two matches left. I'm up by one match. This is like unknown territory for me, and it's my turn. And so I'm like, oh, I've seen these four. I've seen all four of them. I know it. And so I flip one over. I'm like, oh, I got it. Oh, no. I didn't get it. And she swoops in. She seizes the opportunity, and she beats me by one match again. And so I lost to my daughter in this stupid game. But I gained a moment with her. One more moment where she's got a little bit of trust for me, a, a moment where we can, we can talk about we can laugh about. I won her heart a little bit more, and, and I was better for it. I, I was a better dad by doing the thing that in the moment I didn't want to do. And she has this one more thing in her life where she can look back and when, when it becomes a game-changing moment for her life, maybe I've made enough of a connection where she's going to be able to be willing to listen to what I'm going to say to her. Paul says that he became a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And at the end of that passage, then he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Notice what he doesn't become a slave to people for. He doesn't become a slave to people for their wants and their desires. My kids, man, I get driven crazy just like every parent does. When my kids are, I want candy. I don't care. I want to watch a show. Eh, I'm watching sports. Oh, well. I want to go to the dollar store and you buy me a a toy at the dollar store. They're, they're awful toys. No, they're going to last a day. He's not saying we become slaves to people's wants and desires, but we become slaves to their needs, to the spiritual needs that they have in their life. We are called to become slaves to our kids' spiritual needs, to the spiritual needs of the person who is, no one else is advocating for them so that we can do the groundwork of connecting them in a relationship with us so that one day we can connect people to Jesus. But as a parent, I know I'm often, I'm often way too eager to, to give over my parenting duties to a screen or to something else that doesn't matter. So that's why that, that one little moment that I, I used as, as an example with Finley, that's why it was a game-changing moment. It's laying a groundwork for something bigger down the road. We prepare for game-changing moments in other people's lives by entering into the everyday world that they see as important. If I want my kids to think that, to to be able to be willing to hear me out down the road when there's a game-changing moment for their life, they have to be connected with me. If I got a teenager that that I want to help them to see who Jesus is, I got to have some kind of connection with them. That's why Paul became a slave to the needs of the people in his life. He was willing to do anything for them. But it's a tall task, man. It it requires a sacrifice that we're not often willing to make. Not everything is a game-changing moment. Not everything is this moment where we have to become... I I, I, I use the word slave, and I know that, that... that just sound, it doesn't sound right in us. It doesn't mean every time my kid's like, hey, Dad, I need a glass of water. I'm not getting up off the couch for you. You can go get off the couch yourself. But maybe, 
maybe I need to do a little bit more work to make sure that they don't fall into the addiction that I think I've fallen into sometimes of this addiction of technology. Maybe I need to go out and, I, and purposely push my kid in a swing or throw a baseball with them every once in a while to connect with them in a way that will matter down the road. You and I are not called to be attentive to someone else for every single want that they have in life. But if there's something that you or I can do that will make a difference in helping them to inch closer to Jesus, if you've got a neighbor that there's something, man, I don't want to do this, but I know it might inch them closer to a connection with me that might inch them closer to a connection with Jesus, why do we balk from it so much? Why do we stay away from those things? Difference makers take time to go get coffee with somebody when, man, the last thing you want to do is that you just want to stay at home and you want to stay in your PJs. I get that feeling. Difference makers give particular time and energy to go out of their way for people, like I said, who nobody else is advocating for them. Difference makers teach their own kids that sometimes it is more worthwhile to give of your time and your money to somebody else than to use it upon the things that you want. Difference makers are willing to go a little further in a conversation than just what is going on with the weather, what's going on with your favorite sports team, but to take it to the the deeper matters of, of what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life with Jesus. What are you willing to become for someone else in order to one day win them to Jesus? How are you willing to become a slave to someone's spiritual needs so that one day they might come to know who Jesus is? I had a friend in college who... I'm not sure he quite got it the right way. He used to always say this thing, like, man, I'm going to go party with my friends, and my, all my party friends, so that, so that I can show them who Jesus is. I'm like, There's, I don't know about that, buddy. Something doesn't seem quite right there. Paul's not saying that he becomes absolutely anything to anyone. I want you to catch this. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 21, he says, To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. Paul's saying, hey, I am free to do anything, just about anything, to to draw somebody into connection with Jesus. But I can't go against the things that Jesus has, has, who he has made me to be. Paul, maybe one of those things for us is like, okay, Paul, is not telling me that I have license to go and become a gambling addict so that I can get in that circle with those people and lead them to Jesus. I don't have license to go and gossip with every person at work that I possibly can so that I can connect with them so then they, I can one day lead them to Like, people get, people get that whole thing a little bit. They see hypocrisy. Paul's not giving us license to become our child's friend rather than be their parent so that they'll like us, so that, that well, that's going to help them to, to, to listen to what I have to say down the road. No, actually what happens is most of the time when, when we're just being their, their friend, we start, they lose trust for us. They, we, we are not being able to be seen then as a leader down the road for them that actually can bring them to the place that they need to get to in life. Paul isn't giving us license to look like the rest of the world just so that we can gain rapport with people. He's saying, this is, this is still a Jesus-centered thing, to look like the life of Jesus so that when the time comes, that connection has been made so you can connect them to who Jesus is. If you look through this list that Paul talks about, that the things that he's willing to become, 
What I love about it is he never goes away from his identity of who he is in Jesus. His identity is always still in the person that Jesus made him be. He says one of the things he's willing to become is a slave. He is a slave to Jesus. He's already, that's already who he is. He's enslaved to following after Jesus. He says that to the Jews, I became like a Jew. Well, he is a Jew. That's nothing out of the ordinary for him. He knows how, how the Jewish people think, and so he can minister to them in that way. He says, to those under the law, I became like one under the law. See, he already was under the law. The Old Testament, Old Covenant law, all these rules, he had already been under that in his, in his former life. He knew what that looked like. He could, he could go and, and kind of follow some of those rules to, to connect with people, and it wasn't something outside of his identity in Jesus. He said, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Because he knows that in Jesus, he's not bound to the rules of that Old Testament law. He says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And this is the part that I love. He knows that in Jesus Christ, without Jesus, he is completely weak on his own. So he can connect with people because he knows that he's weak. But I want you to notice, he doesn't say, to the strong, I become strong. Because that's outside of his identity. He is a weak person without Christ. And so he can connect with people in that way. Becoming all things for all people to win them to Jesus. It does not mean we compromise who God is calling us to be. In fact, I think what it does is it further clarifies that everything you do is meant to be done with the intention of helping somebody inch closer to a life with Jesus. People need to see Jesus living so evidently in you while you connect with them that the Jesus way finally looks like the best answer for their lives. People need to see Jesus living in you. It's not enough just to connect with them personally. As they're connecting with us, they have to see Jesus inside of us. So that, because the ultimate thing is, can I connect them to Jesus down the road? Becoming a difference maker in someone's life, helping them to inch closer to Jesus, it is naturally going to require from us a game-changing experience in our own faith. We can't stay the same if that's what we're seeking to do, to bring people towards Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9.23, Paul says, I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. This is what I was getting at at the beginning of this sermon. That there is something awesome in the idea of serving people, of, of volunteering ourselves, of becoming difference makers. It makes us more like Jesus. It makes us grow. When I become a difference maker, it makes me have to grow. You see, to grow, I have to be stretched. To be stretched, I have to get outside of my comfort zones. I have to do things that I'm not comfortable with. I have to do things that I'm not wanting to do sometimes. And like Paul is saying here, to become a slave to people's spiritual needs, we have to be stretched. And when we allow ourselves to be stretched, we are going to receive a blessing there as well. That's why this is all a game-changing experience for us. That's why I love the kids' midweek ministry. We got started a couple weeks ago with that again. And I love this kids' midweek ministry because we go down to, to Wilson Elementary and we've got all, the, all these helpers working with these kids who are coming from different kinds of, of home lives and different situations than some of us come from. They, these kids, they don't know church life. They, they don't know how to act when they're, when they're being taught a Bible lesson. And we got to say, hey, be quiet about a billion times sometimes. But what happens is we get stretched as we're trying to connect these kids to Jesus. 
and we get stronger for it. I've loved watching over the last, over the last year plus now how our kids' midweek team has learned to do this thing called messy ministry. <laughs> like, it seems sometimes we walk away, what in the world are these kids getting from the gospel? Are they, are they hearing the gospel at all? And the truth is, yes, they are. By the way that we are getting into their lives, we're going into their world and helping them to see what the gospel looks like firsthand. In this last week, we had about 52 kids at Kids Midweek, and we had like 21 people there as difference makers helping out. Everywhere from sixth grade to way into adulthood. It was awesome. And each and every one of those difference makers there are getting challenged. There's a blessing that's taken place in their life. Being stretched is a good thing for us. While you serve other people, you are going to be stretched. What you're willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel is going to help you grow. And it's going to be a game-changing experience for you. Jesus does more than make your life better when you become a difference maker. He makes you better at life. That's what I love about this. Are there people in your life that you're willing to do anything for so that their spiritual needs might be met? So that they can have a real chance at knowing a little bit more who the person of Jesus is? Have you become a slave to the spiritual needs of the people around you, any person around you? It's exactly the thing that Paul did. Paul was willing to give up his entire life. Man, you, you read through the New Testament. Paul went to prison. Paul did. He gave up his entire life because he became a slave to people's spiritual needs. And while he's an amazing example for us of what that looks like, there is a better example out there for us. Jesus taught us how to become a difference maker. More than anybody else, Jesus taught us what that looks like. Jesus, who is actually God, decided that he would actually become a human being for us so that we could become people who could see who God is. Jesus lived his life for our spiritual needs. That's what he did. His life, just him coming to this world, was completely about him giving himself over completely to our spiritual needs, to be a difference maker for us. He was willing to become exactly what we needed him to be. He was willing to become a savior that died on a cross for us. My question this morning is, what are you willing to become for someone else? Where's you guys can come back up here right now. What are you willing to become for someone else that they might see who Jesus is? You don't have to become their savior. Thankfully, that's already been done. But is there some sacrifice that you could be willing to make in your life that maybe you feel like God is calling you to this kind of sacrifice to show somebody else the sacrifice of Jesus for their life. And look, as pastors, Eric and me, man, we would love, for, we would love like crazy if you took this message and you're like, you know what, I want to become a difference maker in church. I want to volunteer at church. And that would be awesome. I think that it would be a game-changing moment for you. I think your life would be better for it. But I want you to see that this is so much more than about getting into your church and volunteering and being a difference maker there. It's so much more than, than being about that. There are people in your life every day who need Jesus. What are you willing to do to become that difference maker that they need you to be? Do you want to find a, a game-changing experience for your own personal faith? I'm telling you, sell yourself out to the idea of becoming a slave to someone's spiritual needs. 
I don't, I don't care if it's your kids. I don't care if it's your neighbor. I don't care if it's a, a relative, maybe lives a, a ways away. If you want a game-changing experience for your own personal faith, sell yourself out to the idea of becoming a slave to someone else's spiritual needs. Why don't you guys pray with me? Lord,